Welcome to the Black Sheep Podcast, brought to you by BBH. I'm your host, writer and performer, Daniela Isaacs. We want to know what it really means to be a black sheep and work out how we can all get a bit better at going against the grain. We're going to be asking some of our favourite black sheep about the rules they've broken to get them where they are today. Black Sheep is a podcast about rules and how to break them. Hello, our black sheep this week is Ben Liebus. Ben is the founder of Mob Kitchen. After spending years noticing students yearn after delicious food, watching them ogle over hours of porn, of the food variety, and desperate to prove that there was more to student cuisine than pesto pasta, Ben decided to take things into his own hands. Over his mum's kitchen table, while keeping up a job as a delivery driver, Ben set up Mob Kitchen, publishing recipes online that fed four people for under a tenner. Now, Mob Kitchen has two books, over 200,000 Instagram followers, and they've just released their own spice blends. They're even strategizing food delivery trucks traveling around universities, and Ben says it's still just the start. Hello, Ben. Hi there. I kick off the podcast most weeks by asking, do you think of yourself as a black sheep? Uh, Yes, I think that uh, definitely along the way uh, of starting my own business, there have been uh, various, I don't know, little little moments or hurdles that I've had to overcome and playing it straight by the rules and following the usual kind of approach and way of things definitely wouldn't have allowed me to overcome those hurdles so I think yeah in in the uh in the role that I've been running for the last two and a half years which is building the business and I guess with every anyone building a business breaking rules and being able to adapt is really important and do you think in the social media kind of influencer slash foodie sphere everyone thinks of themselves as a black sheep yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, the most successful, the most successful people out there, the people in the scene at the moment, you know, the ones who I'm, I now feel like I'm the black sheep when I think about people like Jamie Oliver, Hugh Fernie Whittingstall, Nigella Lawson, uh, these guys are the old institution, they're the old guards, and you think of them as definitely playing by the rules. But you know, these guys back in their day were definitely going against the grain and doing something different to what existed, you know, in their time. So, um, yeah, I feel like all of, well, I like to think that I'm special. I feel like, you know, a lot of the people that are doing similar things to me in the food world uh, are often having to innovate and change um, and break the rules in order to get to where they are. That's a perfect point for us to start off with the first rule that you've broken, Ben. The first rule that I have broken is play it cool um (laughs) Uh, tell us how you have not played it so cool please well i think uh it's funny i i'd first love to touch on just the rule of play it cool uh when uh throughout school throughout university there was always that idea that in order to be the best or you know the coolest people in the year always played it cool. They didn't care about anything. They never looked like they cared about anything. If anything good was to happen, it was to come mm. to them. They weren't to kind of go out of their way and do it themselves. I always remember my uh, one of my best friends, Milo, who is, I have to say, probably the coolest guy that I know. Um, 
I was, I don't know, I commented under, I don't know, I commented under like Fern Cotton's picture, like for 50 photos in a row on Instagram saying, please check out Mob Kitchen. And um, he started writing under every single one saying zero chill. Oh my God. <laughs> How embarrassing. Um, and I, and I can remember kind of thinking like, oh God's sake, you know, get off my back uh, when he was doing it. And I, I don't know. I mean, it did kind of strike me when that happened where I thought to myself, yeah, I guess like the way that I am approaching this is very zero chill and I am not playing it cool at all um, but I think it's 100% necessary in order to you know get the business to where I want to where I want to build it so um, yeah I mean I guess basically at the beginning I set up mob uh, in my mum and dad's kitchen after I left Edinburgh University I very very arrogantly thought that if I upload two food videos to Facebook in this format they're going to go viral overnight and I'm going to become the next Jamie Oliver that obviously didn't happen and two months later I was stuck sitting at home with mum and dad dad getting increasingly exasperated um, and frustrated that I was still there and mm. not with all of my mates down in London grafting away and working in my first job so I had to come up with I guess kind of innovative and definitely a lot of zero chill ways of trying to build the platform raise awareness so the first of those was I someone came up to me once at a party drunk and I wish I could remember who it was because it's the best piece of advice anyone's ever given me which was utilize your friends and utilize anyone you've ever connected with on Facebook and Instagram set up little groups that make people feel like they're part of what you're doing so um, I set up all these I set up all these groups called kind of uh, mob best friends, mob cousins, mob cousins friends, mob primary school friends, mob secondary school friends, mob university friends, and got all these little uh, kind of groups of people and sent these messages out telling them what I was doing and telling them was I this needed, all on Facebook this is all on Facebook telling them that I needed their help um, and that mob wouldn't work without them and that I needed them to be tagging and liking and sharing and definitely traditionally things that are not playing it cool but uh, that was one thing that really helped and it allowed me to quickly build mob into and build mob out into you know filling up my my friendship group and the group outside of that and the group outside of that and just for anyone who doesn't know exactly what mob is what was the kind of beginning steps was it making recipes specifically for was it on facebook initially or not yeah, so it wasn't. So I, I mean, these things change so quickly. Because now speaking in, you know, summer 2019, um, not a lot of my mates are using Facebook right. at all. They're all on Instagram. But definitely when I left university, none of us were really using Instagram. We were all on Facebook. And I actually have to say, I think building a platform on Facebook is so much easier because you are able to, you're able to do these things like create groups and whatever. But yeah, I mean, the idea was that I wanted to create a platform on Facebook that would put out food videos showing people how to cook delicious, healthy recipes, feeding four for under a tenner. Mm -hmm. um, so the idea was to get a big kind of student demographic excited about food, create a platform that was by a you know just finished student for students. Um, and yeah, it was, you know, the, the, the type of food videos that we were making were those overhead food videos that was uh, pioneered by BuzzFeed's channel uh, Tasty, mm -hmm. which were going super viral and everyone was obsessed with those quick, you know, quick time, quick form, uh, that quick form content. And so, yeah, we shot those videos, we uploaded them. And yeah, as I mentioned, it just it just didn't it just it didn't uh, take off in any the way that I thought that it was going to. So we had to I had to basically come up with all these 
ideas about how to fast track that growth and a lot of it involved really putting myself out there on the line and not being cool at all. So first step was going out through your initial Facebook network. So first step was a Facebook network. Um, second thing was second thing was I thought, you know, the Facebook network's really good, but th- these are people that I know and they're people that my friends know. So there's still a lot of connection to me here. Obviously, the way that I'm going to start getting this really big is if they can, if I can start accessing a completely new audience. Yeah. So firstly, I had... Um, probably not a massive amount of matches on Tinder, but a big group of matches on Tinder. And I sent them a copied and pasted message to every single one of my Tinder matches saying, please, could you follow my page on Facebook? And I promised that wasn't done. I promised that wasn't done in a creepy way. There was actually, I guess, a bit of logic behind it. I thought these are people who I've matched with who I don't, I know a lot of them I will have zero connection to at all. And if, you know, at least like 10 or 11 of them are like, you know what, I kind of back the slightly different approach then. um, So wait, were you swiping on Tinder? to get business not not to, not to go on dates i guess for a bit yeah oh, and did it work i mean there were you know i got some fuck offs from people saying i don't want to sorry i don't want to um Fine. i don't want to uh be helping with your business it's a bit of a weird message but actually i got some messages from people being like i really back that you're kind of using this for i i you know i get the the innovation really i guess in your Can approach I say, in a bit to um not play it cool in business that's a very play it cool move from a date mm. <laughs> to be like I don't care about you but I care about your business yeah maybe maybe <laughs> um and um, right so tinder the rumor has it you were also a delivery driver putting secret leaflets into pizza boxes yeah so um through lack of cash and also through uh, you know, beginning to go increasingly mad, just sitting around at home waiting for this viral moment that was not happening. Um, I decided that I needed to get out there and really just start moving. So I uh, signed up to become a delivery rider. And actually, that feeling, and I printed out 2,000 flyers and basically hid flyers in pizza boxes when I was delivering them to give them to the people. Um, And it was a way of getting the word out, but it was also a way of, I think, there's something, definitely when you're building like an online business, definitely with one that you're kind of like relying on having a certain audience size or followers in order for the business to really kind of kick into effect. It often feels like the power is not really in your own hands to make that happen. You're waiting on lots of different forces to happen, maybe something going viral or whatever. It's often not really in your control. And there was something about getting on a delivery bike and actually riding with a flyer that felt like I was in some way at least like mm. controlling the destiny of like those singular people that I was going to and was able to have some kind of control over that. So um, so there was the delivery riding. I'm assuming uh, that is a broken rule too, right? Like a delivery found out about that. 100%. Yeah. Although they did message me uh, having hear, having heard this story on the day of my book launch saying they really wanted to work with me. So I o't oh, know great. if they, they probably found the it funny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I... What's another what's another zero chill thing that I did? I think did you you also told me that you stuck uh, your flyers onto magazine fronts. Am I right? Yeah. So uh, when we went around flying at universities, I'd go around all the university shops and uh, I would put my flyers in front of all the magazines in the university shops. Um, don't know how long they lasted there, but again, you know, getting the getting the word out and definitely not uh, definitely not you know in accordance with the rules of those shops um and 
I also printed out a lot of flyers and stood outside supermarkets in big university cities and handed the flyers out to all the students going in, asking them to go into the supermarket, buy the ingredients on this recipe list and cook it and then follow mob as well. And was this while you were still at university or afterwards coming back? This was after I'd left university. So I graduated, I filmed the first batch of recipes in the in that summer and then, you know, I was gainfully unemployed and um and just plugging away for like eight months hoping for the best really and as you're doing this just thinking of your friend milo uh trolling you on instagram was there an any element of um shame <laughs> attached to it or like embarrassment uh, it's, yeah it's funny because so many people come up to me and they're like god i wish i i wish i was able to have that like shameless approach to building something because i like, look look where it is now yeah. it's worked um I backed the idea so hard mm. and I, I backed the idea so hard that I just didn't think about it. I just didn't care. I was like, I just don't care. I don't care that I look lame, like putting myself out there so much. I just, it was all I thought about. I just didn't, I, nothing else mattered. I just, it, it couldn't matter less as long as I was building the, as long as I was building the mob basically. So It's so weird that we think of that as a kind of shameful thing to, to kind of have some self-belief is almost mm. like something you need to be embarrassed I about. I know. Yeah, I know. I know it's awful. And I think, you know, definitely something that we try and do on the platform now is really try and foster a kind of community feel that, you know, like anyone doing anything and putting this, themselves on the line, we really try and get behind and show support for because I think, you you know it's definitely a thing and I know I'm uh you know having some kind of like self-reflection I'm like a loud confident person but mm. so maybe it is easier for me but there are also people who don't have those kind of like personality traits but have a brilliant idea um and might not feel so confident because of the environment that they've grown up in kind of like putting themselves out there so I definitely think that you know people should be making an effort to yeah, really show their support if their mates are doing these kind of things and really get behind it, definitely. Mm. And not just behind a screen. Mm. Uh, and as a result, did you see uh, a suddenly a viral video happen on Facebook? No, I didn't. <laughs> uh, uh, was, there, was there a positive consequence to, to this part of the story? I think, yeah, some of those, some of those little, uh, some of those little, you know, tricks i guess worked uh to an extent so the um uh i guess yeah to an extent maybe the tinder one definitely the asking all of my friends into groups and getting them to help spread the word one more thing that i did do quickly yeah, which actually really did help was um again with this idea of wanting to hone in on people that i didn't know as being the really important people to try and get involved um every time a new person liked the page on facebook which i was checking sort of religiously once every 10 seconds mm. um <laughs> i would go onto their facebook profile and i would draw i drafted up this message i'd send them a message from my own personal account and i'd say look i'm i've seen you've just liked my new page mob kitchen i'm the founder um i we're really trying to like draft in people who aren't part of my friendship circle I want to transfer you 10 quid if you download this Google Chrome extension, uh, which allows you to invite all of your friends to like a Facebook page in one click. And I'm going to send you all of the steps that you need to do in order to download this. Once I've seen that you've done it, I will then transfer you a tenner. And that actually did work. That was... How many uh, people? Maybe 10, 15,000. Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. How, where's, where's the money coming from? 
I did guess you have I investment d- at that point? No, I did it. I mean, I mean, ten fifteen thousand is like it's like a hundred and fifty, hundred and sixty people. So it's like a hundred and sixty quid. Oh right, sorry. I <laughs> thought you said like ten to fifteen thousand people. So I was like, yeah, no, 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 ten to fifteen thousand new followers. Right, which result? Which yeah, exactly. So you know, I mean the. Um, Exactly. It was that was a really good one actually because it, the, because the moment someone did it, there was suddenly this barrage of uh, that, this barrage of new followers that came in. And again, I feel very fortunate that I was building mob right just at the days right at the end of Facebook because yeah. you just can't do anything like that on Instagram now. And now Instagram is so saturated that if you're looking to get into that kind of game, um, it's much more difficult basically mm. because you don't have that. Uh, Instagram's only your content only comes from one place basically whereas Facebook you're sharing onto a news feed that gets shared that gets shared and suddenly it's out of your control yeah. and it's, it's all over the place so Zuckerberg will be very pleased mm. um, well stepping away from Facebook maybe into something that is much more talked about right now can mm-hmm. you tell us please the second rule that you have broken please Ben I broke the rule, follow the GDPR laws, um, which this actually probably could get me in a bit of trouble currently. But, right, um, <laughs> that means the... you have to tell us everything. Uh, as someone that's like a, a tech phobe, can you explain exactly what this is and mm. why you decided to break it? I moronically don't actually know what GDPR stands for. Uh, all I know is the GDPR laws were uh, really kind of, I'm not sure if they existed before, but really were brought into play after the big kind of data scandal at Facebook. And uh, these were law- these are laws uh, that are, you know, actual real laws uh, that basically look to protecting, look at protecting people's data and their information online. So things like, you know, sharing of emails, sharing of data, um, all of that thing that the person whose information it is hasn't explicitly uh, given their consent for mm. is now illegal. Um, and uh, there w- definitely wasn't such a black and white when I did what I did. But um, no, if I did it now, then uh, then you could get into quite a serious amount of trouble for it. So, so what did you do? Um, so I... After all of these uh, harebrained schemes uh, that I was doing in the first four months of launching Mob, by Christmas we got to, I think we were on about 12,000 followers on Facebook, 4,000 followers on Instagram. So good, but nowhere near being big enough for any you know big brand sponsor to pay any interest. Um, and I'm assuming, sorry, I haven't asked you this, was that always the goal? That was the goal, yeah. I mean, the business model, uh, the primary business model then and at the moment still is branded content. So uh, brands basically p- uh, paying us to appear in a series of our recipe videos. And, um, you know, there are lots of big brands that work with big publishers like BuzzFeed and Jungle Creations and the money in it's massive. Um, and the... Uh, but but you need to be able to guarantee big reach and big views and that kind of thing. And at the beginning of Mob, I went on to Tesco online and I wrote down the name of every single brand, literally, that I would be able to get in touch with and 
part of my kind of like day-to-day existence was finding out was literally emailing anyone connected to that brand so PR agencies media agencies whoever worked in-house on their social media team their marketing team their sales team pitching constantly and no one was really paying any attention um and by about January it was in a fairly desperate state I had run out of content I didn't have any money um I had to team up with my best mate from school Rupert um and he was a he's a kind of keen cameraman and he basically agreed to film another batch of videos for me for free Mm -hmm. if I gave him a small chunk of the business which I did and uh but it was it was nowhere near anything resembling a business and it was actually pretty like much on its knees um and I was almost having to basically concede and be like this isn't going to work or I'm going to have to get something else full-time to run concurrently yeah um so at that point, I was like, basically, the, what needs to happen is what I need to unlock is just kind of fast tracking this audience growth. And once I've done that, I'm then going to be able to go to the brands and they're going to be able to pay me the money, which I'm going to be able to reinvest in growing the platform. And I needed to kind of just trigger that cycle of events. Yeah. Um, and so one of my best mates was working at a... Um, was working at a big food brand, uh, which I'm not going to name. And he... He was working in their media department and he um, and yeah, in the media departments of all these big food brands, they have these huge email databases of uh, journalists and uh, and influencers and people working in television and radio and people working in supermarkets and groceries. Um, I mean, it's like the holy grail, basically, mm-hmm. and all of these big brands have it. Um, and I think you can pay for them or whatever, but, you know, I couldn't do that at that point. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, he just he emailed it to me and I. Uh, <laughs> Wait, did you ask? Were you, did you beg him? Because I can just imagine how scary that must have been. Well, maybe not. Maybe he's he just my, wanted to help you out. He's my best, best friend. Uh, so he. No I, bribe I, tactics. I did have to put a little bit of pressure because he was like, this 100 percent isn't legit. And I was like, no one's going to know. It doesn't it doesn't matter. I'm, you know, whatever. I, I won't definitely won't reference that where I got this list from. Um, and yeah, he sent me this list with about probably about six and a half thousand email addresses that wow. I um, <laughs> that were all completely helpfully completely uh, specific and related to my industry because he works for food brands so they were all yeah. food everything was food um, and so yeah I got all of these email addresses one evening on like a Tuesday evening I was sitting around at home I drafted up this email that had about eight typos in it I was so excited to get it out <laughs> and I dumped an email on about six thousand people um, and got you know 3,000 out of offices, 2,000 this person no longer works here, uh, 1,000 delivered. And um, and yeah, the next day I got an email from the head of lifestyle at the Evening Standard and the head of lifestyle at the Mail Online. Obviously, neither of them had that much to write about that week. And they both <laughs> said that they were they both said that they were really interested in doing a piece about mob. And they both did do a piece about mobs. So the Evening Standard one, it was interesting actually seeing the difference in, you know, how effective they were because the Mm. Mail Online one was uh, obviously online, the biggest online uh, media, you know, establishment. And then the Evening Standard one was a print piece in the Evening Standard in the actual paper. Um, so kind of like very different mediums and the result from them was also quite different. Uh, I, I didn't, I was much more excited about the mail online Yeah, that's one. what I would have thought. Um, and, uh, you know, sure enough, it went up. It wasn't massive, the spike, but, you know, maybe like six or 7,000 followers on Facebook, a couple of thousand on Instagram. So really kind of like 
boosted it nicely and was the first time where the mob kind of you know the mob name was out on google and searchable and the first kind of news piece no actually that one was after the evening standard so that was the first news piece online the evening standard one I don't know why, I just didn't really think about it as being that big, but, you know, they came to my house, they took a photograph of me, I cooked with their uh, Sam Fishwick, who's a Mm. great guy, I cooked with him, uh, and he did this interview, and, and yeah, it went live like a week later, and it was massive, it was, like, really, you know, suddenly, like, the most dead email you've ever seen was my email for four months in Starting Mob, and suddenly there were, you know, in one day, uh, literary agents, very book-related, lots of literary agents, Harper Collins, um, Ebri, uh, which is an imprint in Penguin Random House, mm. um, all got in touch and said, you know, uh, we'd love to meet with you, we'd love to see you, and uh, not a lot transpired from it. You know, the book deal came much further along the line, but it was like that positive uh, from putting out so much for yeah. five months and not getting anything back, and suddenly people just giving a little feeler back and just uh that was enough to really kind of like because I was I was losing kind of confidence and momentum and that was enough to give me the spur that I needed to you know meetings in London and Mm. like you know all that kind of thing was like exciting and kept me going and was that the kind of big uh trigger to then get more brands on board to start supporting you and making it into an actual business yeah so actually completely uh completely by chance and not thought out i um had plonked a filippo berrio olive oil bottle in the photograph that uh ended up in the evening standard and their head of marketing sent me an email being like (gasps) thanks thanks so (laughs) thanks so much uh wish i could take credit for that what would have been a genius idea but um was i honestly just just by chance uh and they they paid they said we'll give you 1800 quid to do five videos so was um, that your first that was so that was our second one and our first one came just before that but after the articles uh from Yo Valley yeah um who said we'll give you 500 quid for two videos and i mean it was i mean like nothing and couldn't really sustain anything but like god to hear mm. an actual recognized brand say we're going to give you money to Yo Valley is videos. A, a big brand yeah. i love that yogurt exactly <laughs> um and and so yeah they gave us yeah, they gave us 500 quid. Uh, Filippo Berrio came in. Uh, Cheerio Tin Tomatoes, you know, C-I-R-I-O. Yeah. The, uh, they saw that we were working with Filippo Berrio and they got in touch. And like suddenly things began to start uh, ticking away a little bit. More more brands were getting in touch. The, the money that we were getting from those brands, we were then pumping straight back. I was then pumping straight back into uh, Facebook marketing has been our like primary uh, paid growth tool yeah um it's incredibly cost efficient you're paying we were paying at that stage maybe like 10 11p for a new follower which is unheard of if you're following other forms of advertising yeah. um so we were able to put the money back into the facebook advertising and the page was then growing and with the you know increased growth we were then able to ask for more from the brands and it was really beginning to get exciting and rupert and i were filming he had a full-time job in London. We were we we. I'd rent a van, drive down, pick him up with all the gear in London, drive back. We'd shoot ten recipes in a weekend. I'd then spend the next two weeks editing the recipes, uploading them online, and then when we ran out of content again, I'd drive down, pick him up, and we'd do that cycle. Mm. And that went on for like six or seven months. Um, and that really kind of like drove my parents completely insane because we were like from, I, the, from you their kitchen. From them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. 
So this is all uh, proof that you've basically broken something that if you were working at like a big corporate, yeah, you yeah. would be mm. absolutely fired on the spot. You'd be fired on the spot, yeah. Uh, 100%. Th- there'd be press about it. You'd be screwed. Yeah. So since then, have you broken any other rules that if you were in a, a corporate company, you would also be fired for? Um. Oh, God. <laughs> Do you have HR? Yeah, me. Um, <laughs> I... Um, uh no, we've had a couple of no, we haven't broken any. We haven't we haven't uh we haven't done anything illegal. We've had a couple of fairly savage PR blunders. Um we like did what? We did this one that was I uh, was so moronic. Um it was April Fools. Everyone was doing all these things and I messaged the team coming I was staying at my parents' house and I I was dro- in the train back to London that morning. And I'd already got my girlfriend on something, I don't know what, and I was get, I was all into it, and I thought, well, let's put something out on Mob about April Fools. And for some reason, I just decided that, I was like, if we, if we put something out that shows that we're doing a big new change in direction for the platform, it's going to really annoy people. Mm. So I said, let's put out a post that says Mob Kitchen is going gluten-free. Uh, so they drew up the post for me, and I was uploading it, and I wrote this whole spiel where I was like, Mob, I just need to let you know I've been like quietly suffering for the last seven months, and it's been awful, and I haven't really thought about it, and I didn't really know what it was. And last week, I got diagnosed as gluten intolerant, and it's a massive, massive uh, relief to finally have a diagnosis, and we're going to change the direction of the channel to be gluten-free. <laughs> yeah. I am Delicious so naive. Delicious is like I am being so naive, but I have um, yeah. I I just like didn't really know about celiacs. Um, yeah. By the way, I'm a celiac <laughs> really? right here, so I would I would be so happy. <laughs> uh, anyway, well, the celiacs are a. Uh, I mean, of course, I like, it would. It, I mean, it was a really insensitive post, but it yeah, I'm it was. So, I'm almost crying. It was. Uh, <laughs> No, it got really out of hand. We got uh, there were like there were hundreds and hundreds of comments that quickly ramped up. I saw it and thought the first few comments coming in, I thought, oh, people are just being. What were they saying? They were like saying like we're, you're making light of something that can lead to cancer. Like all of it got really serious, and then suddenly, you know, when it gets really serious, when like the criticism comes off Instagram, we started getting emails to our hello at mob account. Tweets were going out. And then one of and then one of my other best mates um, decided that it would be funny to like get me while I was on my knees, and he he uh, rang me up pretending to be a Mail Online reporter and said <laughs> we want to do a piece about this and set out this email address. And at which point I actually had a full blown panic attack, Aww. and I was like, I was like, God, all my work has gone down the drain, and um. Yeah, we 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 quickly issued an apology, which I think did some way to uh, some way to kind of like grasp back. But yeah, we definitely lost two thousand really? uh, gluten free mobbers. Yeah, but surely you were doing it to kind of poke fun at the wellness wankers. Yeah, we were. We were, of course. Yeah, but it was. I th- I think there was something in my in my copy on the description about like having suffered uh, for a long time and like finally having a diagnosis that really missed the mark. Yeah, uh, I think if we'd maybe like not had that bit and just like made it, just like maybe just the post, it would have been all right. But um, something about that seemed to be slightly like making light of what is you know a very serious condition that people struggle with. So. So your apology uh, is meant heartfelt. Yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. Um, so I guess alongside that, uh, they're kind of rules that you've broken and you wouldn't have been able to get away with if you were working within a corporate structure. Is there any desire for you to have some form of structure within the business that isn't just kind of pure creative flow? Mm. Um 
uh, I definitely think, you know, rules of, uh, I guess like, you know, simple rules, I guess more of, uh, more of just conduct within the office and the studio. We have the four of us working at mob full time. There's, uh, me, Alice is 23, Michael's 24, Dan is 23, our intern is 19, our two part-time editors are 19. It's a very, very young, uh, group of us. Mm. And, you know, and it's a, it's a really fun environment. Uh, and there are times where, you know, definitely when we were kind of growing, um, it's become a bit more formal now. But when we were growing, it was just felt like you were hanging around in your university, like living room with your mates playing FIFA. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I found that I was beginning to yearn for just a little bit more structure within within the within the studio about kind of like being much more rigid about the content that we were putting up, making sure it was all like very formulaic and in line and uh you know that there was consistency and you know having a more professional attitude to responding to people and responding to emails and all that kind of thing so uh i guess for me yeah the the area that we've wanted to be more the area that i've kind of yearned for a little bit more rigidity on uh and being a little bit more formal has just been that kind of office atmosphere while we all have a really good time mm. making sure that we are all kind of like really sticking to our jobs and whatever and it doesn't help with what I do because I'm the most absent-minded flitty person ever I'm so, one second I'm like we've all got to focus on this oh no we've all got to focus mm. on this whatever so it can be a complete nightmare working with me I know but uh <laughs> but yeah uh Ben will you throw us into the third and final rule that you have broken please the third rule that i have broken is that porn sells uh please can you clarify that we're not going to now talk about porn no we're not we're talking uh specifically about food porn um and it was due to what i believe was an oversaturation of food porn in the online media market that i um that i came up with the idea of mob kitchen and that i believed that we needed to break that rule uh, in order to create something that was new and that was different and that was very much needed. So can you just first of all explain what actually is food porn? In my head, it's like um, anything that, that melts. So like mm. melted cheese, oozing chocolate. Yeah, I think it's... Um, yeah, I mean, no, I, I like to... Because I think you can have... You know, we've got recipes with melting cheese in it. I think the way that I like to think about food porn is is... Uh, video content or photography content that is posted online that doesn't have the end goal of you know wanting someone to actually go out and cook that recipe or wanting them to think that they can recreate it the end goal is them to just look at it and go oh my god mm. look at that yeah um what a weird thing that mm. we just watch videos of like porn like food mm. anyway sorry carry I, on i don't I don't want to slate it completely because I think it does serve a purpose. I think, you know, there is uh, these these channels are like escapism you know you you don't you watch these videos and it's like it's it's nice and it's fun you know you're sitting down you're working and then suddenly someone's showing you how to make like a triple deep fried chocolate brownie pizza and but what is the end goal of watching that it's it's just it's interesting fun escapist content it's you know what's the goal in watching netflix you know it's like yeah that's true um i I think that's i think that i don't know i think these 
uh, I don't want to like bash content because I think people posting, I think, you know, there is a, it serves a purpose. People are posting fun, interesting content. If you're writing an essay and you're feeling stressed out about something and then you see this video pop up, it allows you, it alleviates that stress for just mm. that one minute while you're watching it. It's escapist, basically. Mm. Um, and... You know, while I don't think that, while I'm not like advocating that things that are like getting you glued to your Instagram and your Facebook more are 100% a good thing, I wouldn't say, I'd say, you know, you could level uh, the same criticism that you level at food porn at quite a lot of different content. Um, But what I do have a problem with is that, firstly, Firstly, well, I think what I really have a problem with is that what was clear is that the food content that our generation were consuming the most was this food content. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the content that was most eye-catching, most appealing, and that kind of thing. Uh, and the 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 issue with it is that if this is the food leader that people are following, this food leader isn't showing people how to actually cook. This food leader is unrealistic, escapist, and food porny. Um, so what I believed uh, needed to happen is, you know, and and they do it because it amasses m- uh, masses of views and engagement and reach and that kind of thing. Uh, I believe that we needed to break that rule of food porn rules all on social media in order to create a platform, uh, you know, a a food platform that could actually do some good with the, you know, with the young generation that were watching it. So what was your kind of clear philosophy from the off or your ethos? What did you want to achieve? Uh, I wanted to create the captivating food content that people that our generation was so clearly having a connection with the food porn content but with realistic doable recipes that people were going to actually going to go out and cook so uh not creating the content with the end of getting you know 100 million views on facebook creating the content with getting with the end of getting 100 people to cook the dish mm-hmm. um the issue with that for us is uh, while we have the capabilities to make that food porn content whenever we want um we can't do it and it also means that we can't you know unlock that kind of viral nature that those food porn videos uh those food porn uh, videos do reach Mm -hmm. so it ultimately it ultimately meant that by you know following this we were kind of accepting that we were probably going to be having slower growth uh we weren't going to be able to be putting out videos that would hit 100 million views we're going to be putting out videos like I don't know what, Mexican chicken salad with lots of fresh vegetables, you know, sounds delicious, doesn't look as like unbelievably weird as a deep fried brownie, Um, but, you know, people are actually going to cook it. So I think ultimately for us, uh, by breaking that rule, it meant much, much slower growth, such slow growth, you know, that it almost didn't really work out, Um, but actually what what it did allow us to do is really kind of like foster a much more meaningful community that really uses our platform and has a proper connection with the brand rather than just thinking that v- the videos that we're uploading are kind of like funny and kooky and um mm. uh and so I think yeah definitely in the long run it was a it was a good decision yeah it means people can actually take something away from the content and then it actually mm. affects their lives still to this day I've never heard someone say the sentence I'm going to cook one of those tasty recipes yeah. for dinner with my mates I've yeah. never heard anyone say that sentence and um, and yeah I think one thing that's really cool about what you do is that it's £10 for the 
all the ingredients whereas sometimes it's again it's another form of clickbait i guess when they say this this recipe costs less than 10 pounds to make mm. but actually you have to go away and buy like bulk of all of the ingredients which then means it's going to be like triple the amount yeah um so just for clarity at the moment uh we are on the online side uh we're not we don't stick to the feed for for under a tenner thing all of our recipes are very affordable with i guess like differing food prices across the country and across stores um uh, it, it, the majority of the feedback that we are getting is, you know, either you you guys could say that garlic is way cheaper because actually you can get it for fifteen p at right. Lidl, not thirty p at Tesco. Yeah. Um. Or on the flip side, what are you talking about? You can't get garlic for thirty p at Waitrose or whatever. That's my local. Uh. So we don't stick to that so strongly, strictly now. Uh, although all of the recipes are very affordable and are very accessible, and you know we haven't heard anything otherwise since making that decision, which is uh, very encouraging. Um, but yeah I mean I think definitely when it comes to clickbaity stuff about budget cooking that was one of the things I had a real reaction against when I was at university when someone says to you you know that I love Miguel Barkley, who is the guy that runs uh, One Pound Meals, but yeah. uh, and I think it's a really cool concept, and it you know it excites people and it obviously inspires people to cook really good food on a budget. Sometimes when I look at taglines like that, I find them I find they can slightly put me off a little bit because I automatically have that cynical part of my brain thinking there's absolutely no way I'm going to be able to do this for a quid, especially if I'm cooking for four of us. You know, I'm going to have to go to the shop. I'm not going to be able to buy a teaspoon of cumin. I'm going to have to buy the whole damn jar. Um, And it's going to end up costing me 15 quid. And I think like that, that, that barrier and that like difference or that realization at the beginning is a massive barrier between seeing it and then actually going out and buying the ingredients. So um, yeah, one thing that we have stuck true to from the beginning, and even though we don't stick so much to the feed four for under 10 and now we don't stick so much to that kind of tagline anymore has always just been you know be very very upfront about uh how many ingredients in the dish what people are going to have to buy you know what the ingredients in the dish cost uh at their full price in the supermarket and i think that that you know really got people involved in the platform and um and yeah yeah and i guess on instagram specifically uh, that's something that is quite rare now it's very rare where we see reality actually on our screen and Mm. it sounds like you're doing that it's kind of being as upfront and honest as you possibly can be Mm. that's great uh, ben, to finish us off, will you tell us one rule you will never break, please? So the rule that I will never break <laughs> is ask for advice. Um, I, I guess you are told to ask for advice and to listen to other people's opinions throughout your life when you're growing up. Definitely to listen to other people's opinions uh, and thoughts about a certain thing. And it can be incredibly difficult when you're building a business and you've got a very clear vision on something um listening to other people's uh, other people's thoughts on it um you i i'm an incredibly stubborn person uh if i've made my mind up about something and then someone tells me they don't like it or they think that it's a you know they think that it might be a bad idea then um yeah i mean actually I have had this from the beginning because I've been aware of the importance of it. But I think there is often a temptation to, you know, sh- put it away and say, you know, I don't, I don't want to listen to you. I've made my mind up about this. But pretty much like every good decision that I've made from Mob has been, um, has been as a result of 
you know, taking in and ingesting bits of advice and tips that, you know, lots of, you know, that my close friends or my girlfriend or my family um, have given me along the way. And, uh, you know, we, I 100% wouldn't be where, mob wouldn't be where it is today if I had uh, ignored everyone's advice, ignored everyone's thoughts and just stuck stubbornly to my line right from the beginning. And now that you are at a place of great success, do you still find yourself kind of wanting to get some reassurance or validation or even some uh, guidance in any way from people now? A hundred percent. I. Uh, it's not so much. Uh, it's not so much reassurance or validation. I don't like. I don't think I need that in order to. Uh, in order to kind of like you know uh, persevere in any different kind of uh, directions. Rather. Uh, I always seek people's advice and opinions on things that I have got, you know, a really clear vision and idea about in my head. A prime example, which I am currently embroiled in right now, and there still isn't a solution, and it's been screwing my sleep for the last five nights has been uh, our mob blends which is our big new project it's our first we've got the two cookbooks but it's the first product that i have developed from scratch that we have 100 percent ownership over and then we're trying to get into retail and i don't have i'm crap with numbers i'm i don't know anything about sales i don't know anything about products this has been a massive learning mm. curve for me um, Just to clarify, it's spice blends, right? Spice blends. Yeah. Four different spice blends. Herb, piri piri, curry and jerk. They're delicious. They're mm. amazing. They're better than anything on the market. Um, the packaging has been like a roller coaster. Really difficult uh, creating something that stands out and is bold, but also kind of sticks true to the brand. Um, and after four or five months of developing, we finally had our... We finally had our mob blend design, which was a 120 millimeter squat ointment jar. So a jar, a glass jar that you would normally see cosmetic creams kept in uh, with a lovely um, uh, silver aluminium lid and then white see-through labels around the edge and on the lid uh, that say mob blends in the name of the blend. So it was all ready and they look really slick mm -hmm. on their own. Um, but I've had two meetings in the last six days with people who are one person from Sainsbury's and someone else uh, who owns a brand that I really admire uh, and I really trust his opinion. And they've both said the exact same thing where they say in isolation, these look stunning and beautiful um but what you have to understand is they are going to be on a shelf next to a hundred different jars and whatever i just for some reason hadn't thought about yeah. that because i've never had to um and you've got to think about how they look next to things sainsbury's have a glass jar with a silver aluminium lid um and they look relatively similar sitting next to each other um, and I'm kicking myself because I've done so much work for these over the last four months. I mean, like tirelessly been working on them, spent quite a lot of money on the development. And we've already released three final images professionally shot onto our Instagram. There's a whole Moblens Instagram page that people are now following. There are decks that have been drawn up. There are videos that have been shot with them. So we are quite far along the line mm. here. And I've had this advice from two people that I really trust. And I think ignoring that advice would be nothing short of completely foolish, even though I think personally I've backed it the whole way and I think they look really strong. So, yeah. So now what do you do? 
Well, now I'm having calls with our manufacturers up in Leeds um, once every hour about talking to them about the production of a black aluminium lid, which will completely set them apart and look really strong. Um, But I guess the issue is, you know, there is going to be some money down the drain. We're going to have to get new ones. It's going to put everything on hold for a little bit. But they look really strong and the designs have been mocked up. And I'm hoping that we have got what would be a relatively uh, cost-free solution, Mm -hmm. uh, even though... I am left looking like a little bit of an idiot having released all this imagery online um, and only to go back, you know, two days later and be like, hang on a second, Mob, actually, I've screwed up a little bit. Here's the change. But, you know, it is sticking true to what I think is the most important rule, which is don't just be stubborn. Always listen to people's advice. Always, you know, heed their advice. Definitely people that are involved in that industry. Um, And act accordingly and act upon it or else you will definitely come a cropper and you'll lose more in the long run. Absolutely. Thank you, Ben. Uh, It's been an absolute joy to talk to you. You are clearly a visionary black sheep. So thank you. Please continue to make delicious food for us all to enjoy. Thank you. (laughs) 